0: The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known uh, this morning we're gonna jump in and uh, today is gonna be like put on your seatbelt. It's gonna be a flyby, it's gonna be a drive-by, we're gonna go fast and furious on a topic, on a topic that everyone in the world is interested in. And that is simply happiness. Happiness. Because everybody wants to be? Everybody wants to be? Of course, everybody wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy. It's not a matter of if everyone wants to be happy. It seems to be a matter of how to find happiness, how to discover happiness. And I believe happiness is tied to the blessing of God. God who made you and I, who is the lover of our soul, knows how to bring us completeness, joy, peace, patience, all the things that we want in life that will make us happy. But humanity has always been looking for happiness. In fact, throughout history, even in our Declaration of Independence, it begins with this profound statement And it says in our Declaration of of Independence that we have been empowered by our Creator with certain unalienable rights such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of... Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God wants us to pursue life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Liberty, where the Spirit is, there is liberty. And happiness. The question is... How we view happiness and how we seek happiness or discover it is something that there's a big disconnect. And I am going to do a very quick flyby in, in, in Scripture of what God says happiness is tied to. And we're going to see that it's tied to attitudes. Really quick, a, a short story here. There was a small country town. And in, in this country town, this old grandpa would sit outside the gas station in his rocking chair every day with his granddaughter and as cars would come into town uh, passing through the town he would just wave them and he would greet everybody coming through the town and one day a man pulled up and he uh, rolled down his window and says to the older grandpa he says hey sir what kind of town is this here what kind of town is this and the grandpa said well what kind of town do you come from? He goes, oh, in my town, it's, it's terrible. Everyone's complaining all the time. Everyone's gossiping all the time. He's like, yep, it's the same here. It's the same here. And the man rolled up his window and drove off. And then a few days later, another man comes into town and rolls down his window and says, hey, sir, what, uh, what kind of town is this? He says, well, what kind of town do you come from? He said, oh, my town's great. Everybody gets along with one another. There's mutual respect. He goes, yep, it's the same way here, same way here. So a couple days later, the daughter asked, the granddaughter says, hey, grandpa, how come you told one man one thing and you told the other driver a different thing? And the grandpa said, because wherever you go, you take your attitude with you and that's what makes it good or bad. Your attitude will determine whether things are good or bad. We're looking today, uh, and we're going on this series on following Jesus. And today we're looking at the very first thing that Jesus sat down with his followers, according to Matthew's gospel. The very first thing, these new believers, these new followers that just started following Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, it's the first time he sits them down. It's the very first thing he imparts. It's profoundly important. It has to do with your attitude and mine, our heart condition, our disposition, our attitude, and in fact, what makes us happy. Because attitudes determine our altitudes. Amen? Attitudes will determine our altitudes. The same is true with the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bible, if you can open a Matthew chapter 5, uh, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 and 12 or on your device, uh, however you read your word. And we're looking at attitudes that lead to happiness today. And specifically, the Bible refers to these as the Beatitudes. Uh, in Israel, up in the northern Sea of Galilee, there was a mount of Beatitudes. So on this mountain is where Jesus uh, shared this uh, teaching here. But the Beatitudes, I want to encourage you, that's not just the name of a place. We should really consider these to be the B-attitudes, the attitudes that we ought to have, the B-E-attitudes. And and if you read other translations on these B-attitudes, they translate the word that happy are those who this. Happy are those who who understand this. Happy are those who have this attitude, and happy are those who have that attitude. Uh, The the Bible, my translation, NIV, refers to it as blessed are, Uh, but how how many would agree that when God blesses you, you are very happy, amen? When God blesses you and does something, we heard the testimony earlier about God giving a house, God giving a home. That's a blessing. Does that make us happy when God does something amazing like that? Yes. When God answers prayer and he moves and he does things, God's blessing leads to happiness. And I would suggest to you that outside of God's blessing, there is no true happiness. There are so many people that have pursued fulfillment and pursued uh, to to be happy and yet came up empty-handed through their life. Because they didn't have the blessing of God. And the blessing of God is something that we should not only be aware of, it's something we should desire. Because I believe that is the root of our happiness. The root of our happiness. And so uh, I want to read through these and unpack them really quick. I do want to encourage you this morning to, if you have a bulletin, to write down some notes. I'm going to fly through this pretty quickly. I hope I can make it because I've never heard the Beatitudes done in uh, 20 minutes. Um, But we're going to today, we're going to do it fast and furious. There's some profound insights that I believe if we apply them to our life, to our heart, to our attitudes, that I believe you're going to discover happiness on another level. You're certainly going to discover the blessings of God as promised by Jesus. And it says this, Matthew 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy." Who were before you? So uh, I want to just start out by saying that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, the followers of Jesus, the people who get on, get in on God's kingdom—not just eternity later, but literally the kingdom of God here and now which is entering into God's realm, coming under his sovereignty here now in this earth to get in on his provision, his blessing, his protection. This is the kingdom and anyone can enter at any time along the journey. And it culminates... In eternity. But the kingdom of heaven, don't just wait for it later. It is here and now. And Jesus taught so much about the kingdom. But when we're talking about the kingdom, uh, it's talking about the world's way of doing things and God's way of doing things. And there's two completely different ways, two different economies that are running parallel in our, in our world, in our universe. Some people pursuing things on the world's standards and wondering why they're not happy. Other people pursuing things on God's economy, on God's standards, and they realize where the blessings are at. This is really, really important. Jesus is talking to this large group on the hillside and he's saying, listen guys, there's certain attitudes, certain heart conditions that will lead to God's blessing and happiness. Now, I just wanna say this from the beginning and I think this is worth saying. He's not just saying, listen, do these things he's not saying do step one two three four and five to be happy he's not saying do he's saying just be this way be this way in your heart let this be your attitude if this is your disposition if this is your attitude you're going to discover that god is going to do some amazing things you will be blessed and you will be happy it's not a matter of having a do list and i say that because in the world anything you acquire is based on doing do 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 do, do. get good grades you graduate Get a good driving record, you get uh, lower insurance rates. Everything is based on a, a point system, performance kind of thing, do, 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 and get, get, get. In the kingdom of God, he's not asking us to do anything out of the gate. He's saying, can you just be? <laughs> can you just be my son? Can you be my daughter? Can you line up? Can you acknowledge me as your father? Can you, can you come to terms with being before you come to terms with trying to do? And that's the first point if you're a note taker this morning, to, to just take this to heart. Being comes before doing. In life, if you're trying to be happy, if you're trying to uh, understand God's blessing and get in on them, you have to know this, that being comes before doing. Um, I, I, when I was a new believer, I really jumped into doing every single thing I could do. Uh, because I really in some way, I I wanted to honor God, but I also had some understanding that everything else in life, the more you did, the more you were uh, rewarded. And now that I'm new in the kingdom of God, I also wanted God's blessing on my life. And I was doing so many things and I really sensed God setting me down one day in a still time, a uh, prayer time, quiet time and saying, son, I just want you to be, just be my son. I love you. Just be my son. Ladies, be his daughter. Be a daughter of the king. Come to know the lover of your soul. Sit at his feet. Know him. Meet with him because everything comes out of that. Everything is an outflow of that. Being comes before doing. And if we don't get that right, then the rest of the Beatitudes won't even make sense. So this is really important. Uh, The the first one he lays out here, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about being poor, poor in spirit. He's not talking about being poor in the natural. He's not talking about money, finances, but he is talking about being poor. When he's explaining the kingdom of God, he's explaining a, a spiritual paradigm. He's He's explaining a spiritual worldview and our attitudes of this spiritual mindset and our, our, our heart conditions. So, when he's saying to be poor in spirit, what he is saying, and this is where the kingdom of God begins, is to realize that your spiritual account balance is really low and realize that we have a debt that is really high. Does that make sense? We have a spiritual account balance that is low before Jesus, before Jesus. We all have a very low spiritual account and we have a very high spiritual debt. That is true of everyone on planet earth with a pulse. Not everyone recognize it, but this is where happiness begins. The blessing of God begins with realizing uh, that you got to be poor in spirit. You got to come to terms with our own spiritual poverty. Amen. Does that make sense? Guys, we have to come to terms With our own spiritual poverty. If we don't come to terms with our spiritual poverty, we don't even get in on the kingdom of God. There were many Pharisees around Jesus who were very religious and studied scripture and can quote it very well, but they did not have any understanding of their spiritual poverty at all, and they did not get in on the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, if you're poor in spirit, if you realize, that our own spirituality is not gonna get anything done, (laughs) that we don't have enough in our account to pay our bill, to pay our debt, and our debt is really, really, really high because the wages of sin is death, right? And so it's like, we can't pay that bill. When you understand that, that begins to be the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. It's the very beginning. It's almost you gotta know the bad news before you appreciate the good news. That's really important, uh, a concept. So when we recognize our condition outside of God's grace... We recognize that without Jesus, we're spiritually bankrupt. When we spiritually recognize our need for God, and and that's when you begin to qualify for grace. We qualify for grace. Grace is not work, it's free. It's a free gift of God. You don't work for it. But you do change your attitude and your heart and your understanding to go, yeah, I got it. My spiritual account is real, real low, and my spiritual debt is real, real high. Guess what? I'm poor in the spirit. Anybody else in this room poor in the spirit this morning? Yeah, because if you are, you qualify, you qualify. You, you almost get pre-qualified for the kingdom. You know, you get pre-qualified for a loan. You get pre-qualified for the kingdom. Why? Because you're like, I got a debt and I can't pay it. I need you, Lord. And the Lord's like, Thank you. Thank you for coming to terms with that. I love you and I have a provision for you and it's a free gift. I I love you so much, it's waiting for you. But we have to come to terms with that. So the second point this morning, again, for those of you taking notes on this, we are blessed for recognizing our true condition. We're blessed for recognizing our true condition. Why is this so important? Because many people go through life pursuing happiness, pursuing success, and have no idea of their true condition. They really don't. What? You know, making money, buying stuff, pursuing things, chasing after dreams, whether it's fame or fortune, whatever, whatever it is, whatever success might look like to you, you, you draw it out and, and whatever that picture is to you is this front and center that we recognize our true condition. Because if it is, blessing is on the other side and happiness and fulfillment and God's grace and joy is on the other side. Uh, It moves on to the next one. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I'd suggest to you that this is on the same uh, footsteps of what Jesus just said, talking about our spiritual conditions here. Um, He's talking to people who are interested, Jewish people, who are interested in the kingdom of God. Uh, They realize um, that their own way of doing things uh, wasn't getting them into God's presence. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. He's finally here. He's teaching them. And now Jesus is talking about those who mourn. He is not talking about you and I walking through life sad because the Bible says that the kingdom of God is about joy and life in the Holy Spirit. So he's not talking about walking through life sad. In fact, he wants us to have joy. He talks in scripture about how his joy will be complete, that his joy will be in us and our joy can be complete. He's not talking about being sad that way. He is saying, blessed are those who mourn Blessed are those who have a sensitivity in our own heart for our own stuff, have a sensitivity in our life for whatever we do that blocks our relationship with God to actually be sensitive to it. This is important. I don't think you can have God's blessing or be happy in life without understanding the sensitivity in our own hearts of feeling, listen to this, feeling the weight of our actions, feeling the weight of our actions, There's many people who go through life and they don't feel any weight. Maybe they used to, they've gotten numb to it or they'll explain actions away with excuses. The kingdom of God isn't based on that. The kingdom of God is saying, wow, I am spiritually poor and I have a high debt and I need your provision, thank you. And the next thing is when something does come up in our lives, uh, when we do fall short, we ought to feel the weight of that. That's what the morning is. The morning has to do with, with, with our, our, when our choices or our actions. And, and guys, we all fall short, so we're capable of this all the time. Maybe this morning or this afternoon or yesterday, you went through something that you go, yeah, I shouldn't have done it that way. These are the kind of things we should have a sensitivity. We should feel the weight of that. And guess what? If you feel the weight of that, the Lord's like, huh, I'm going to take that from you and I am going to comfort you. You don't have to carry that weight anymore, but it's important that you feel the weight so that God can take it away and comfort you. There are many people that do not take their weights and burdens to God. In fact, some have gotten numb, calloused, the Bible says, in their heart. Calloused where they lost all sensitivity to the things that we do when we miss the mark. We just lose sensitivity. The Bible's talking about the kingdom, the attitudes that God blesses, where happiness comes from, and in this case, Uh, Third point this morning is we are blessed, we are blessed when we feel the weight of our actions, when we feel the weight of our actions. If we ever become numb to our actions, guys, we're not going to see God's blessing in this area. He's saying this on the heels of spiritual condition and those who are weighed down and mourning and have a heavy heart of, yeah, I kind of fell short there, God. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. I don't want you to stay there. I wanna take that away and I wanna comfort you. And that's beautiful. There's many who walk through life and they don't feel very blessed and very happy because they're carrying stuff that they don't need to carry. God by his very nature says, I will take that. We can, we can participate in this great exchange where I will take away ashes and replace it for beauty. I will take away this and I will put my spirit in you. I will give you a new slate. I make all things new. This is what God does all the time. And when you and I feel weight, weight of our actions, the, the, the weight of it, the brevity of it, the, the pressure of it, and, and the mourning, the, the sadness coming to terms with our real conditions, God's like, that's beautiful, thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you comfort so you don't have to feel that weight anymore. That's important, guys. And that's not something in our life, I would say, that we just do once. That's something that we have to do all the time. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is something we should do regularly where we say, God, search my heart. Search my heart, Lord, and anything that's weighing you, anything that's weighing you, to go to the Lord and say, I don't want to mourn about this anymore. I want to give it to you, God. And he's going to replace it with his comfort. And it's absolutely beautiful when he does. The next one says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. First thing I want to say is never mistake meekness for weakness. Never mistake meekness for weakness. For weakness, because everything in our society is be stronger, be tougher, fight your way through, get to the top. Everything in society is you gotta make it, you gotta make a way for yourself, and you gotta be about your business and you gotta do what you gotta do. And this is the world's economy and the world's system of acquiring and, and 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 gaining in life. And God is saying in the kingdom of God, listen, blessed are the meek. The meek will inherit the earth. The meek, again, meekness is not weakness. Meekness, being meek is being humble. In fact, humility, humility is power under submission. Power under submission. Have the power to bust through and do something, but have the humility to say, but I'm opting out of that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do what Jesus did. Even though I could bust a move right here, even though I could push my way through, I'm not going to. Because the kingdom of God, in in God's economy, this is not how blessing is attained. This is not how happiness is attained. This is not what it's about. He's talking about blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, uh, blessed are those who keep their power under submission, submission to the spirit of God. You will inherit the earth. You will inherit what you need. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory when we line up with this. Others say, I'm doing it on my own. And I'm pushing my way through and I'm gonna be about my business. Well, guess what? They're gonna find themselves not only not inheriting the earth, they're gonna find themselves missing the blessing of God and the happiness and joy that go along with it. So for the fourth point this morning, here it is. We are blessed when we go low. Say go low. Go low. Go low. Go low. The rest of the world's trying to go high. People of God, go low. When in doubt, go low. Humility is power under submission. Meekness is not weakness. Oh no, it is, not, it is not weakness. We are blessed when we go low. In fact, James 4.10 tells us that humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. He will lift you up. If we go low, we will go high. But we're not going to put ourselves there. God will do it. If you're faithful at little things, humbly, He will put you in charge of greater things. God's economy is different from the world's economy. And it's the best thing uh, when God promotes you instead of some form of self-promotion. See, the rest of the world is in self-promotion mode. How do I pitch my stuff? How do I get my name out there? How do I get ahead? That's self-promotion. It's way better when God promotes you and you could say, wow, I went low. I did it God's way and look what the Lord has done. Amen? That's where the blessing is. That's where happiness is. That's where joy is. The next one in verse six, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. And this is what's important. He's talking about being filled. And so many in the world pursue things to try to fill them. They believe, they believe that if I just get filled with certain things, I will be happy. That's what they believe. They really believe it. And that's why they pursue it. That is so far from the truth because some gain the whole world and lose their soul. Some, you know, you look at some people that have been multimillionaires and you, know, you look at some of the people who have gone through history with attaining so much and realizing I got a big empty void in my life, even though I've got all this stuff, but I thought I would be filled if I got all this stuff. And guess what? I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And why? Because that's not how happiness is acquired. It's not how it's achieved. Happiness is the blessing of God in your life. It's not getting more stuff. Solomon himself did the same thing. He spent half his life trying to get more stuff. And you can read about it in Ecclesiastes. He talks about all the stuff that he built, all the servants he had, all the money he had. He goes on and on and on. And he says at the end of the day, you know what it left me with? Zero. zero nothing, nada really? After all that? He goes, yeah, because I thought it was going to fill me. Somehow I thought if I had a little more land or, or a bigger business or, or better vineyards or whatever, more chariots. He's like, I thought it was going to fill me, but man, it's like chasing after the wind. I, I'm coming up with a big zero here. This is Solomon. Solomon did this. And he went on to say, Uh, In Proverbs 16.25, Solomon wrote these, and I think he was very accurate in saying this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There are so many people that their way of pursuit of happiness, their way, absent of God's way, they think the pursuit is going to bring them happiness, and it doesn't. And that our ways lead to death. God's ways lead to life. And there's so many people like Solomon who spent so many years chasing this and went, oh no, I really messed up. And at the end of Solomon's life, he's like, you know what? You better turn it around. You better start aiming for God's glory. And he ends uh, Ecclesiastes on a good note saying, don't do what I did. <laughs> don't spend all those years doing that kind of stuff. God knows our souls better than we do. And God knows what satisfies, satisfies better than we do. Isaiah 55 says this, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest fare. That means God's like, I'm capable of putting a spread before you that will blow you away and the world doesn't have it and the world can't offer it to you. But if you come to me and eat what's good, I can put a spread before you that will be blessing and you'll find joy and you'll find happiness. You will, in fact, be filled in the Lord's economy. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, the fifth point this morning is we are blessed for aiming our hunger. We all have hunger, guys. Aim our hunger at what truly satisfies. As human beings, we all have these hungers. It's not about if we have hunger, it's where we aim our hunger. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for what God says, that's the way to go. You keep running that way. You keep looking that way. This tells us, guys, that we can aim our hunger. We can aim it. We can aim it. We can aim our hunger. If we choose to aim our hunger, if we have the attitude, the attitude that Jesus is saying here, if we choose to aim our hunger, we can, we can, be blessed. We will be filled. We will be satisfied. And I would suggest to you today, and this is a word for some of you this morning, aim your hunger. Aim your attitude. God is the one who satisfies. The world is not going to satisfy. The world cannot, by definition, satisfy because you're spiritual beings having a momentary human experience. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience down here on earth. We are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience down here. And because we are spiritual beings, only your heavenly father, the lover of your soul, the one who made you, informed you in your mother's womb, only God can bring the fulfillment in your life that you're looking for because he made us, he shaped us. And so when we aim our hunger after the things of God, that's where you find fulfillment, joy, happiness and God's blessing. Outside of that, it's not gonna be found. If people like Solomon, who was the richest in his time, who had everything in the world on his bucket list, and he said, guess what? I'm still ending up with a zero. The point is we, gotta, we, gotta, we will be blessed if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. I would encourage you to aim aim your hunger and test your hunger. Aim your hunger through, uh, through Jesus. Say, when you're aiming your hunger, just say, Lord, what about what I want in my life? relationships, for example. You know, people like pick different relationships and you're like, okay, Lord, I, I want what's good. You tell me what's good. I want the best in my marriage, God. Show me what's best in my marriage. Show me what's best for my kids. Show me what's best on the job. I don't wanna chase after different stuff, God. I wanna hunger and thirst for righteousness because God, I wanna be filled, but I don't wanna be filled with the wrong stuff that won't fill me. I wanna be filled with your blessing and happiness and joy and you're offering it. And so if we hunger and thirst for these kind of things, even entertainment, you're ready to go out and see something, ask yourself, is it righteous? Is it going to do more damage than good? And, and my kids sometimes will say with a movie, hey, dad, can we see this superhero movie? I'm like, let me look at the reviews first, okay? And I go, no, not this one, because they have this in there. And they're like, ah, oh, it's only one little part, you know? And I'm like, hey, listen, you know, sometimes the natural psychology is to say, well, Will it do more damage than good? Like if it's got a lot of bad in it, but some good, maybe I'll just do it anyway. You got to start filtering through the through the through the lens of Jesus. If you want to be uh, filled, if you want to be filled, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Saying this is, gonna, is this going to take me apart and dismantle me, or is this going to build me up? Everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We need to start hungering, thirsting after what truly satisfies. And so the fifth point is exactly that. We are blessed. We are blessed for aiming our hunger at what truly satisfies. What truly satisfies. I'm gonna do these in a rocket speed right here. Um, verse seven, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Uh, the Greek word for mercy has this um, word picture, if you will, of walking in somebody else's shoes, but even more than that, to almost get under their skin, get under their skin. Not just to, you know, the idea of walking in someone's shoes is, is probably where it begins, but to literally get under someone's skin. And when you do, you begin to see what they see. You begin to feel what they feel. Mercy's amazing. Mercy, by the way, is a gift. We are all called to be merciful, blessed are the merciful. And yet there are some with a gift, spiritual, of mercy, where they carry mercy like they see things like radar walking through a room. Do, 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 do. They see things from a mile away across the street. They, they look through the eyes of mercy. They're seeing all the time. And, and, and some of us might have a high gift of mercy or a low gift of mercy, but we're all called to mercy. The, the principle here is to get under and feel um, this. And, and what God is saying is there's a spiritual law in place. And the spiritual law is this. As we sow, so shall we reap. We reap what we sow. Spiritual law never goes away. Spiritual law on planet earth, we reap what we sow. He's talking about in this sense of mercy. If we are willing to feel what others feel, if we're willing to get under, if we're willing to have that kind of compassion level to feel what others feel, to bear what they bear, to come alongside them, he's basically saying the more mercy you give, the more mercy you personally are gonna receive. And God knows we all need mercy. If we don't give mercy, we're not going to receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so the sixth point this morning is we are blessed for being motivated by mercy, motivated by mercy. I want to encourage you this week as you go out, as you see something, I don't care if it's on the workplace, somebody knocked their thing over and they're having a bad day or whether it's... Whatever is motivating you, the homeless guy in the corner, whatever is motivating you, when you see mercy this week, I want to encourage you to take a step towards it, to be motivated by mercy. You will be shown mercy. And believe me, there's a lot of joy and happiness in your life when God shows you mercy. Blessed, Jesus says. Uh, Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these you did unto me. And we will be blessed for it. The next one says this Blessed are the pure in heart. This one's great. I love it. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. And that tells us that our heart has a way of seeing. Our heart can cloud the picture, or our heart can clarify the picture. Our hearts. Jesus is saying that if our hearts are pure, we see God. If our hearts are not pure, we, we, we don't see God. And what's amazing about this is that, uh, and it's our seventh point this morning, is that the purer we are, the more pure that you are, the purer that you are, the more you will see. The purer your heart, the more you will see. And that's between you and God. If you deal with God every day and say, like David did, search me, O oh God, know my heart. Put the right heart in me, God, because right now maybe I'm off a little bit. I really need your help. I need a tune-up. Would you help me get my heart right, God? God's like, that's beautiful. Yes, I will. And when we get our heart right, when we purify our heart before the Lord, when we feel the weight of the things we do and actually confess it to the Lord and we turn from things and we, we're, we're living our life in relationship with God, that is a pure heart. That is a heart that sees a lot. That is a heart that sees. How many of you would be happy if you could see further down the road? Happy? How many of you would feel blessed if God let you in on something that everybody else didn't get in on, right? That blessed are those, if you have a pure heart, blessed are the pure heart, you're gonna see God. You're gonna see his hand in stuff. You're gonna see what God's doing. You're gonna hear his voice better. You're gonna get revelation more clear. Pure hearts. See, Israel knows, the audience here, Israel has always known that sin blocks God. They've always known that. Their whole existence has been dealing with the sin issue of what blocks their relationship with God and trying to make atonement for it over the years through sacrifice. They know that sin blocks. And Jesus is like, look, this pure heart thing, you're gonna see like you've never seen before and there's blessing in it. So the purer we are, the more we see. The next one says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. How many of you know Jesus is called the Prince of Peace? Prince of Peace. So God's all about peace. And as God's children, you and I, we're called to peace too, because we follow the Prince of Peace. That's who we're following. And it's one thing to think we want things peaceful, it's another thing to actually make it happen and step into it, to step into uh, peace in a way that we're intentional, that we're willing to work through some processes, and even sometimes broker peace, broker peace with other people. Uh, let's start with ourselves first. When there's a glitch or a breach in a relationship, blessed are the peacemakers. We, we got to make it right. We got to take the step. We got to be intentional and we got to work through things to create an environment of peace. But also sometimes maybe your friends or family or workplace or neighbors, if there's not an environment of peace, guess what? It might be your turn to step in and broker the deal, to broker peace, to be reasonable, to have people forgive one another, to to help people, hey, can we reason together? Um, When people see you doing that, they are gonna know you're a follower of God. This is what it says right here. In fact, they're gonna know it so much, they're gonna call you a child of God. When you broker peace, when your way of life is to try to reconcile situations and put peace back into the mix, if that's the way you live, if that's the way you operate, if that's your attitude, Even with neighbors, friends, if you try to broker the peace, step into a realm, you don't have to, but you you sense God calling you into it. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. Others are gonna go, that was really cool what you did. And I'm not really used to people doing that. And they're gonna know you follow the Lord and they're gonna see you as a child of God. And that's what it says right here, that the peacemakers will be called children of God. So the eighth one is this, we are blessed. When we broker peace, broker peace. If you don't broker peace, start brokering peace. Start with yourself first. If you have a glitch in your own life, in your own marriage, in your own family, with your own kids, with your own you know, uh, parents or brothers, sisters, start there. Start with neighbors in the workplace. Start brokering peace. Be a peace broker because that's what a peacemaker does. They take the step with intentionality and you will be called a child of God. Uh, The last one here deals with persecution, and I'm going to do this one really quick. Um, In fact, this would be great if the worship team can come up. It says this, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Uh, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's talking about being persecuted, which really means to be harassed, to, 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 to have some pushback, to, to have people come against you in some kind of way, some form of harassment. And the harassment can vary. It can vary. As a follower, as a believer, the harassment can vary. And what he's talking about, two different things here. One, he's saying opposition because you are righteous. In other words, you're living the right way, you're walking the right way, and it's making people feel uneasy. You're doing the right thing, which kind of exposes, I believe, what people are not doing, and sometimes they don't want you around. You're taking the high road, which makes it look like they're taking the low road. If you didn't take the high road, they would have been fine where they're at. But the fact that you're taking a high road, the fact that you're walking right, the fact that you're going the extra mile, the fact that you're, the fact that you're living, living in a God-honoring way makes others uncomfortable sometimes, uncomfortable. And you may get some kickback from that. You may get some harassment. You may get some opposition. That's one form that we see for doing good. Some don't like it. There may be retaliation. The other one he's saying is specifically for standing for Jesus, Jesus. I follow Jesus. And they're like, ah. Oh. didn't. It wasn't the righteousness. They didn't see it. It just, the fact that you, Follow Jesus. There are some people, they don't even know why they're opposed to Jesus. They don't know why, but they're opposed to Jesus. They think they're opposed to Jesus, maybe out of an ignorance or a, just a, a persuasion. But I believe they're, they're opposed to Jesus because there's a spirit working behind them a spirit of Antichrist, an opposition. Antichrist is an opposition to Jesus. But some people are so given over. To so, they've gone so far outside of God for so long, they don't even know what's compelling them. And yet they have a hostility in their heart and in their mind towards Jesus and the people of Jesus. And, and Jesus says this, listen, this has been going on for years. <laughs> the prophets would take a stand for Adonai, Elohim, God Almighty. They did too. Some people heard it. Some people had ears to hear. And they're like, yes, I believe. They turn and follow. The prophets of old, their whole message was like, God loves you. Here's the revelation. Do you get it? And some are like, yes, they turn, they follow. Others are like, stop that person. We don't want to even hear that anymore. We don't want to hear anything about this. And there's been opposition. Even in the New Testament, Jesus himself, opposition came. It was prophesied. It was supposed to go down this way. But Jesus was going to be the sacrifice through Opposition and persecution. Jesus was paid the price for the sins of the world through a persecution. And many that followed him did as well. And this is simply saying, guys, don't think we're fully exempt. If you, if you equate happiness to zero persecution, Jesus is like, I don't think you understand what it's really all about. Um, we can't equate persecution to something bad. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted. They did the same to me. You know what that tells Jesus? You're following right behind me. You're right in my footsteps. You're in the good zone. You are in a good zone if you get persecuted. Not in an obnoxious way, not stirring it up at work and not being sensitive to people. I don't mean that. I'm talking about when a true demonic oppression of persecution comes against you or people that have no place for your righteousness. Don't take that the wrong way. Jesus says, good job, You're doing exactly what the prophets did and they did it to me. They'll do it to you too. You are blessed for it. You are blessed for it. So that's the last point. We are blessed when we actually take one for the team. We're on team Jesus, people. We're on team Jesus. And if you're on team Jesus as a follower, once in a while, you just take one for the team. You don't get all mad about it. You don't get all bent out of shape about it. You just take one for the team. Because the prophets have been taking one for the team and Jesus took the big one for the team, amen? And everyone else in the New Testament took one for the team. We're not exempt from that. Guys, I just wanna encourage you. I'm gonna close in prayer this morning. This is where the blessing is. This is where God's favor is. This is where God's happiness in the kingdom of God is. It's just, if we not do these, if we just align our attitude and start to understand, Jesus says, this is the path of blessing of joy, of happiness, you're not going to find it. You're not going to be satisfied and filled out there. I know I lived out there long enough. I lived out there long enough. And I will tell you there's nothing that satisfies out there. Can I get any other amens in the room? It it isn't. If If you haven't tried it, maybe it's, you know, take others' word for it. Save yourself the pain. Save yourself the years. Save yourself the confusion, the aggravation. And he's saying, this is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one laying this before us. He said, the attitudes to be, the be attitudes, that if we have these be attitudes, that we're gonna walk and get in on the joy and the blessing and the favor of God. And that's where we wanna be. So mighty God, we just, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to line up with this rich, Offering that you gave—it's the first time the followers ever really got together for a teaching. You just—all these people started to follow you, and you finally dropped the bomb right here in this first passage. You just said, "Here goes—I'm dropping it on you. You guys are chasing everything, or you want to, or you're wondering about it. Let me just tell you where it's really at. Where it's really at is this—is where you're going to find happiness. This is where you're going to find blessing. This is where you're going to find my favor and joy. This is what the kingdom of God's about, in my economy. And here it is." Adapt to these attitudes and you'll discover there's no other way to go. So Lord, I just pray you would seal this in all of our hearts, that as followers, we'd walk in these things, in these beautiful beatitudes. We thank you for everything you're doing and trust God that even this week, you're going to give us some opportunities to walk this out in faith. And as a result, we're going to even be closer followers to you because that's our aim. We love you, mighty God. I pray for a blessing over everyone's week, wisdom, revelation and peace and the joy of the Lord. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.